0: though I, I probably could. Um, and, and the the series has been called uh, Inside Out Christianity, and the way we've been approaching this is, and, and I kind of want to do a recap here, um, we've, we've been looking at this idea that, that in the Sermon on the Mount, when Jesus is teaching, what he's teaching us to do is, or to be, is true disciples. Um, and, and to be a true disciple of Christ, your, your, your outward behavior matches an in inward reality. Um, I am you know, a certain way inside, and so my behavior, like, comes out that way. Um, I, I remember um, my, my mom told me a story once. Uh, my mom is a German immigrant, and, and her parents were in East Germany at the end of World War Two, and and they were good folks, right? Um, they, they were involved in smuggling to feed, you know, people who weren't allowed to buy things. Um, they were in a store and were involved in smuggling, and they, they did all kinds of crazy stuff. And when the, when the Soviets came in, and conquered half, you know, half of Germany for themselves. Um, my, my grandmother and my aunt and several other family members traveled, like, across the border into West Germany, illegally, but to get away from the Soviets. And they, they arrived at this train station in the town where they would live, and there was a, there was a relative there who was a, a, a churchwoman. And she always had her Bible with her and would quote the scriptures and everything else. And when they arrived, they had been traveling. They had walked through minefields and gone over barbed wire fences. And, and it's a very crazy story when you hear it told properly. Um, but they smelled bad because it had been days since they bathed, right? And she wouldn't walk with them in the train station because <laughs> they smelled bad and they looked dirty. And, and that would be an example of outside but not inside, right? If your heart is in the right place, you know, love emanates off of you. Um, the, you become like christ love. And, and so in this series, we've been talking about this idea of, of what does it take to become that? Well, it's an inward change that becomes an outward reality. Um, I, I have a heart that belongs to Jesus, and therefore I become this kind of man. Um, and, and so we've been working through this. And last week, we looked at the two passages you know, heavily quoted by folks. Um, you know, don't worry, right? It's not, don't worry, be happy. That wasn't Jesus. Um, it was, uh, don't worry about what you'll eat, don't worry about what you'll wear, God's going to take care of you, right? So pay attention to Him, not on this physical stuff, you know, like, like, it's not don't work, but, um, don't worry, God's going to take care of your needs, you know, focus on Him more than you worry, more than your worry, right? Trust Him rather than worry, um, and so God should be our primary focus, and then the second half of last week, we talked about the, the speck of sawdust in the eye, and, and talk about this idea that some folks start to focus on um, what the other guy's doing wrong. You know that guy, right? <laughs> what he's doing wrong. And um, they become so focused on other people's sin that they forget to reflect on their own lives and their own commitment to Christ. And, and so, um, really the message of last week, and that was part A, because this is the second half of this teaching, um, but part A was, um, God should be our primary focus. Um, don't worry, don't judge, don't look at other people, just worry about being intimate and close with God. Um, and those are all do not teachings, right? So like everything in the first half is do not, so do not worry, do not, you know, judge, do not this, do not that. Um, this half of this is is a little different. Um, and, and sort of the big takeaway from last week again was, uh, remain focused on God and our relationship with him. Um, so Matthew 7, 7 to 8, um, Actually, before we jump into that, I, I wanted to talk about something else I'm, I'm already off. See how this is? Um, I, I was reading an article yesterday about, about um, iPhone apps, like dating iPhone apps. And I'm, I'm sort of a, I, I love my iPhone. You know, I, I was going to name our son iPhone, but, but Jess objected. She doesn't like any of the cool names. Um, or Apple, maybe. That'd be a good name. right? Steve? Steve Jobs. See someone? Still a um, <laughs> so, so um, I was reading about iPhone apps and it was like the creepiest dating iPhone apps. There's just some pretty creepy stuff on the iPhone, like, like store. I don't know if anybody else have one. Um, the, the one I read about that blew my mind. There's an iPhone app you can set up, right? So you take your phone and you, you can set up so you have a fake girlfriend. And, and it'll send you text messages from her. Um, it'll, it'll, like you'll get reminders for anniversaries. You'll get photos occasionally, and so you can fake it. And like phone calls, are will ring and it'll show that it's your girlfriend calling, um, and it's everything you could possibly want except the actual girlfriend, right? Um, and, and it is sort of funny because it's, it's this um, it's this way of like making everybody believe that there's a um, that there's a girl out there who like like is talking to you. You know, you could have all the great stuff that comes with the relationship as far as the prestige side, right? And without any of the arguing. Um, and actually, since you can customize her, I didn't get the app. I thought know, the idea was a little too creepy. And if I had a girlfriend, Jess would kill me. Um, <laughs> um, but, but you can customize her. And so if you want her to be like blonde, you can make her blonde, right? If you want her to have red hair, you can make, you, and you can customize her. You can make this girl into whatever you want her to be. And, and then you have this, this girlfriend to show off. I mean, not show off in real life, right? I mean, it's kind of weird, isn't it? Nothing that, like, a college football player would do, I'm sure of that. <laughs> you guys heard about that tale where he faked a girlfriend and, like, got the media all hyped up about the fact that she was dying of cancer and she needed this. Um, again, all the benefits of having a girlfriend and sympathy and everything else, but uh okay no, right? You don't have to dates, you don't have to spend money, you don't have to... And, and um, as we move into this week's Teaching. I kind of wanted to put that out there. Uh, Jesus starts out this section, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be open for you. Um, for everyone who asks, receives, and the one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, the door will be open. What's he talking about? Well, he's talking about prayer, right? So the first half he says, Don't worry, right? Like he and then and the second half of this teaching he says, pray. And not only pray, ask and you'll get it. Seek and you'll find it. Um, and, and, and this idea, of look to God and it's coming to you, right? Um, this is an often misunderstood passage in the scriptures. I, when I worked at Basher, I would talk to kids and we'd look at this passage and they'd say, wait a minute, I asked God to give me a car, a car and I asked God to give me, you know, A's in school, and I asked God to, you know, make me handsome, and none of these things happen." Well, Jesus isn't talking about that stuff. Right? I mean, there are all sorts of wonderful things I'd love to have. Um, I'd love to be fit. Right? I'd love to be handsome. I would love to, to have Brooks' beard, or goatee. I'm sorry, mustache? It's a mustache. Um, sort of. Um, <laughs> I, I would love to have these things as, as standards for me, right? And, and I can ask God for these things. And I might get them. Um, but at the same time, um, they may not be the most important thing that I can receive in life. If I'm a drowning man, do I need a new car? Not really, right? Yeah, depending if it's a boat, car. Um, <laughs> if if I'm yeah, if I'm drowning, I need to be saved. I don't need to be. I don't need new stuff. I don't need a new watch. If I'm drowning, right? Um, we as people, all people, are sinners. We are all wicked. I, I I'm sorry to break it to you, right? And some of us know it, and some of us don't. Part of what Jesus is talking about here with this see, ask, knock, see, ask, knock, not knock, is he's talking about um, intimacy with God. He's talking about forgiveness. He's talking about this relationship we can have with Him. Um, we can't have that stuff if we don't start by looking, right? And we may say, God, I saw, I asked, and I knocked, and um, you know, Kate Upton never showed up at my door to go out on a date with me. You know what, gives God, but anything I can have in this world is going to disappear, right? One day my new car—I don't have a new car. If I had a new car, one day it'll be—it'll be in the dustbin, right? It's gonna—it's gonna eventually rust and disappear. Um, I was talking about uh, Dwayne's Mustang last week. How much I want one, right? One day that Mustang will be on. I mean, you can maintain it, but eventually, you know, in a thousand years, that car is gone. It's returned to the earth from which it came. And there ain't no way around it. Um, As much as I love wonderful things that I can have in this world, everything disappears. The one thing that we can receive that'll last forever, forgiveness, right? Grace, and intimacy with God. Um, You back up about Verses and Jesus, like, are not even about 15 verses, and Jesus says, Store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, right? Where moth and rust cannot destroy them. Uh, because anything you have on this earth that's a treasure is gone tomorrow. Someone can steal it, it'll break down, it'll disappear. Eventually, you'll die and you won't be able to enjoy it. I know it's a shock, but the reality is, everything that we can ask for. If we're not asking for the right thing, we're going to get something that ain't going to last, right? Um, And what we'll get is God. It's relationships, intimacy, it's closeness. Now, why do I say that? Well, I'm going to connect this to this girlfriend story, right? I can have my app that will pretend I have a girlfriend for me. I mean, I can pretend that she's hot. Not as pretty as my wife as no one is. But I can pretend that she can cook. I can pretend that she, she will send me doting text messages every 15 minutes. You know, I can pretend all of these things, and I can convince the people around me that it's true. I mean, anybody see my face would probably not believe it, but I, I could reasonably like, convince people that this is a true thing. That this is actually happening. But in reality, I got nothing. Right? Doesn't matter how convinced everybody else is. If I got nothing, I got nothing. There are folks who walk through their Christian lives and don't know God. They don't know Jesus. They don't talk to him. They ain't close with him. They're, like we talked in the first week of this sermon, like Jesus compares the Pharisees to whitewashed tombs, right? They're dead inside. They're nothing but death and decay inside, like like rotting corpses. But on the outside, they're pretty. Um, There are people who walk through their Christian lives, through their Christian existence, And I I would bet that there are people in this room. I would bet there are some of you that are listening right now and saying, this is me. You know, where they don't know Jesus. They just don't. But they pretend real good, and everybody's bought into this idea, right? But they don't. Well, how do we get there? Well, we seek, we ask, and we knock. We knock. Because it's not a guarantee, but it is a guarantee that we'll receive things that are worth having. Um, it directs us to uh, intimacy with God just by, like, like talking to him. And he goes on, he says, which of you, if your son asks for bread, would give him a stone? Now I'm going to pause here. Um, We think of bread. You buy bread from, what, the grocery store probably most of you? So you might make your own bread. But it comes in those pretty loaves. And pre-sliced, if you're lucky. We bought, like, whole loaves recently, and I found out slicing bread is really tough. Um... (laughs) Which is why I should never get own sandwiches. Um, <laughs> but, but, you know, they come like this. In the ancient world, they didn't get bread like that, right? Like there were pans that you cooked it in that gave you that nice narrow bottom and the big muffiny top on the, on the top of the loaf. Like, like when you got bread before, you know, in the ancient world, it would be round and it would be sort of flat. And, and it, would, it would kind of look like a stone, actually. Um, and so when Jesus says, hey... If your kids came and asked you for a loaf of bread, would you give them a stone? Well, of course you would. But a stone might look like a loaf of bread in the ancient world. So would you give them something that looks good but is crummy? No. I mean, I'm, I only have one kid at this point. Anybody eventually hit the point where you're ready to give them rocks? Throw a rocks out of baby, probably. Um, or if he asked you for a fish, would give him a snake. Now this is another oddball one. Um, in that part of the world where they would fish, there was a there was a fish that people ate very frequently. It was considered actually a pretty good meal. That looked like an eel, right? It was in, like an eel-like fish, and it looked just like a snake, um, but it wasn't, right? Any of y'all eaten snake? This is Montana. I'm sure some of you have, right? right? <laughs> um, but given the option, if you're going to feed your kid, you know, handle them a rattlesnake or handle them a fish, which is a better choice? Again, it depends on your kid. If you're my parents, maybe the snake. But um, No, but even if they look alike, one's a good gift and one's a crummy gift, right? How good is snake, by the way? Nah? It tastes like a tasty chicken. A chicken? <laughs> What if chicken tasted anyway? I'm, I'm <laughs> um, oh, sorry. Um, actually, there's a second half to this teaching. Um, I'm going to jump over here. In, um, in Luke 11, there's sort of a parallel passage where Jesus teaches a very similar teaching, only in that one he includes scorpions. And again, around the Sea of Galilee, there would have been these little white scorpions. And when it was cold, they would ball up, and their legs would go underneath, and their tail would go over the top, and they would be vaguely egg-shaped right? And so in the parallel teaching, Jesus says, hey, if your kid asked you for an egg, would you give him a scorpion? Well, no, it might look like an egg, but it sure as heck isn't, right? It almost certainly tastes worse, and it probably bites harder. Um, So so there are these three things, right? Like fish, bread, um, and, and eggs. And he says, look, if you, if you then give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in Heaven give good gifts to those who ask Him? What's He saying? Well, He's saying, um, we as people, again, we're going to come back around to this, we're bad, right? Anybody not ever sinned in their life? No, right? All of us. Um, Anybody sinned pretty good since this morning already? Um. <laughs> Thanks to <you and> me. <laughs> um we sin all the time. When we compare ourselves with God, we're not even on the same playing field, right? Like, like we're not even close. God is perfect. So if we can give our kids good gifts, if we can give them bread instead of rocks, how much more so will God give us things that are worth having? Um, here's another spot where we find um, a bit of a variation, but actually we're going to get to that in a second. Um, so, parents give good gifts, not look Um... In light of the previous teachings, all of the previous stuff that we've been looking at has been related to don't be a hypocrite. What's a hypocrite? A hypocrite is an actor, right? I'm not a doctor, but I play one on TV. Well, then you're not getting near me with that scalpel, right? Actors aren't real. They pretend to be something different. Many Christians pretend to be something they're not. What God gives us if we approach Him and we ask Him is reality. He gives us this genuineness about us. It's not something we achieve on our own. I can't try really, really hard to be good. Any of y'all ever done that? Where you're like, okay, that's it. I'm going to be perfect from today forward. And you're like, try real hard, try real hard, try real hard. And about 15 minutes later, you do something dumb and you're like, well, blew that. Because um, we can't do it on our own. God gives it to us. And so what God gives us isn't a lookalike. It isn't a pretend way of being. It's not a fake girlfriend on the iPhone, right? It's him, and it's real, and it's penetrating, and it's life-changing. It takes the empty junk that we chase after in life, and it replaces it with something worth having, a treasure that lasts forever. Uh, And what is that treasure? Well, actually, hold on. Um, There's another spot in Luke, actually, when uh, we're going to come back to the bottom of this. Um, How much more will your Father in Heaven give good gifts to those who ask Him? In the parallel passage, right? Jesus uses uses good here. In Luke, what he says is, how much more so will God give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? And so what we can pick out of this, right, is this idea that when we seek, we ask, we knock. What we receive is the Holy Spirit. We receive actually God himself who takes up residence and lives inside of us. And so when I fail at being good, because I do almost on a daily basis, you can ask my wife after service if you want, and she'll have a list of things for you, uh, because I'm not perfect. But when I fail, I can ask God and the Holy Spirit takes up residence in me. And I say, hey, you be in charge and I'll be along for the ride. And he gets in the driver's seat and I move into the side. And every once in a while I complain about his driving and he says, hey, I got this, right? Um, because we become real, we become genuine, we become new. We receive new hearts in the Spirit. And it begins with seeking, asking, and knocking. Which is prayer, right? How do you become intimate and close to someone? You pray. Um... When you meet somebody that you want to fall in love with and spend the rest of your life with, you know, what do you do? Well, you you talk to them, right? You start to get to know them, you change your Facebook status to in a relationship, and then <laughs> and then you and then you spend time talking, right? Um, how many all married folks remember when you were dating and you would spend like 14 hours talking? And it's like, did we really just sit and talk all that time? And and why? Because it draws you close, it makes you intimate. What's Jesus talking about here? God. Ask him for things. Talk to him about where you're struggling. Talk to him about what you care about. Talk to him about the emptiness inside you. Talk to him about all of that junk and what God gives you is something better. Not something worthless. And We might complain because he didn't give us what what we want. Abby, uh, when I do the dishes, Jessica was was very, lots of foresight. She taught Abby to empty the dishwasher. He can't open the dishwasher without her grabbing dishes. But in the door of our dishwasher, we have this little silverware thing. You know what I'm talking about? What's the first thing Abby grabs when the dishwasher opens? The knives! (laughs) And she knows that she should be able to put this knife up, right? Now, Jess probably takes the knife away from her because she could hurt herself, right? Because she's a good parent. Um, (laughs) And what does Abby do when you take the knife away from her? She screamed. Why? Because she took my knife away. But what if I let her keep it? Am I a good parent then? I'm giving her what she wants. <laughs> no. I mean, that's terrible. Sometimes what we want isn't what we need. What we really need, ultimately, is Jesus. What we really need is His Holy Spirit. What we get when we talk to God is His Spirit. It's not necessarily a 1960s model you know, um, Mustang for me. Because if I had that, it probably wouldn't be good for me. I I, I assume. (laughs) (laughs) What we receive is the Holy Spirit. Stuff sometimes distracts our heart. The Spirit fills us up. I may buy something new and fun, and it might feel good right now, but in an hour, it may not feel as good, or I may have to buy something else. I'm filled with the Spirit, and I'm full. And I'm full forever. Forever. Um, he closes out this teaching, uh, Matthew seven twelve, and this is the very end of the teaching part of the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, so, in everything, do to others what you would have them do to you. For this sums up the law and the prophets. It's not so much connected to the previous passage, so just a disclaimer. But I wanted to include it because it would be wrong to skip it. The law and the prophets. Well, he opens the sermon by saying, "Don't think I've come to get rid of the law and the prophets, but to fulfill." then he teaches how to be a good disciple, which is what all of the Old Testament was there for. It wasn't like, it was to show us that we're sinful, it shows that we need to follow God and be disciples. And then we get to this, and he says, listen, this is the law and the prophets. And what does he say? Well, love the people around you. And actually, in loving the people around you, you technically love God. Why? Well, um, when Hannah picks up Abby and carries her around on Sunday morning, so I don't have to worry where she is. Or destiny. Or sometimes, I think, changes her diapers, even though she doesn't have to. Um, or or um, anyone. Like, Roberta helps out with Abby. Always, when people pick up Abby and carry her around and take care of her, and I don't have to worry about her, are they just doing something for Abby? they doing it for me. So if I take care of the guy next to me, who am I taking care of? Him and the man who loves it, Or the God who loves it, right? And so, like, as Jesus kind of closes out here, he says, look... Um, Treat other people selflessly. Love them. Take care of them. And in doing that, you're loving me. Uh, This is real, right? If I do to other people what I would want done to me, whether or not they can do anything for me, my heart is in the right place. This is a step in that direction. It's live out what you believe, right? Because I can believe all sorts of things, and I can spend all kinds of time reading and studying. If the rubber never hits the road, what's the point? Um do we apply this? Well, my challenge for you today is to look in your heart and ask yourself, what's going on there? Am I talking to God? What am I asking for? Am I dead inside? Is the rubber never hit the road? Um, and my challenge to you isn't to go out and do better. It's to seek, to ask, and to not. Right? If you say, well, I don't really know this God person. Or, I've gone to church all my life and I never met him. Or, I know something's wrong and I need to fix it. It starts with looking for Him. And if you look, God will come to you. If you look with a broken, genuine heart that needs Him, He'll fill you. He'll never leave you wanting. He'll never give you something you can't eat, like when you need to be fed spiritually. Like, you'll get something worth having. So, my challenge is look for Him, seek Him, ask for Him knock on the door and you'll open it for you. Um, I'm going to call forward the folks who uh, are going to be handing out or doing communion for us this morning. At the end of uh, Jesus' ministry <coughs> at the end of Jesus' ministry he had a final supper with his disciples. And what he did was he took Bread, and he broke it into little pieces, and he passed it around, and he said, "Take this and eat it. This is my body broken for you." Um, And what he was talking about is he was talking about the cross. He was talking about the fact that he would be punished on the cross for our sins. And so, if you're there and you know I'm empty inside, I'm this whitewashed tomb. I don't know Jesus. As you take the elements today, this is symbolic. Like, and in your heart, say, "God, fill me up." I want a piece of the sacrifice you offer. As you meet the body, recognize that in Christ you're forgiven and you don't have to earn it. Oh.